This is Amy Hall. I'm here with Greg Kokel, and you're listening to Stand to Reasons, hashtag STRask podcast. You ready for the first question, Greg? Maybe. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Ask me the question, and I'll tell you. (laughs) So this question comes from Matthew. Oh, no, I'm not ready for Matt's question. (laughs) Okay. How would you respond to someone that says, from an African spirituality perspective, we should stop saying that listening to or attempting to speak to their ancestors is demonic? Okay, um, I'm a little. I want you to read that again because okay. if it, if it, if the question is what it sounds like, I'm surprised. Okay, so okay. how would you respond to someone that says that from an African spirituality perspective, we should stop saying that listening to or attempting to speak to their ancestors is demonic? Oh, okay, and it's interesting because. All that amounts to is a statement of what African spirituality believes. <clears throat> now, there's a hidden, uh, I think, request would be putting it too lightly. There's a hidden demand. And the demand is we ought to affirm what other people, the, the beliefs of other people in other religions. That's what's hidden there. Well, wait a minute. They, from their perspective, they should not be told that it's demonic to try to talk to your dead relatives. Yeah, so what? So what? That's the next question. So we ought not be telling them that. Why? Because they don't believe that. Okay. (laughs) I can think of a half a dozen illustrations to counter it, but like, um, but, but the point is here, is it true that trying to conjure up dead relative is, relatives is, is messing with the occult and demonic things. If that's true, then why shouldn't we tell them the truth? We can be careful how we tell them whatever, but what you're saying is that's their, in a certain sense, that's their truth, and therefore we should comport our language to them to be consistent with their truth. Now, that sounds to me like what's going on, but of course that's self-refuting. Because that isn't our understanding of reality, and why are they the person who is raising the issue and telling us about that? Why are they implicitly demanding to that we change our views so that it comports with the sensibilities of African spirituality? You know, it's, it's like the anthropologist who says to the Christian student, you shouldn't be a missionary because it's wrong to try to change other people's religious views. But of course, that statement itself is an attempt by the professor to try to alter or object to the religious views of the Christian, which is a missionary religion. The same kind of thing is going on here. The same kind of, uh, you know, self-refuting element is in place here. But it's politically correct. It's just the way people do things now. You always have to affirm whatever anybody else believes, or you're the, you're the bad person in this conversation. Well, of course, that completely nullifies all evangelism, because of whenever we're talking to somebody of a different persuasion, we are essentially um, <clears throat> countering their false persuasion with something that's true, and the issue matters. So how is it that this demand that's being made implicitly here in this statement isn't really a demand not to evangelize, not to tell people to change their views and adopt a different view? 
this treats all religious views basically as an ice cream kind of thing instead of mm-hmm. an insulin kind of thing. And some of the illustrations that bounced around in my head when I first heard that had to do with medicine. Oh, I, I feel like I'm fine. Don't start telling me I'm sick. I don't want to hear that. Well, we have this MRI, and here's a big, giant tumor. It's a silent tumor. You don't feel it, but it's going to kill you in two weeks. Well, that's not the way I feel. Well, you're making me feel real bad. You're making me afraid of death. You're just scaring me with all of this stuff. That's not my feelings. Okay. Well, we would never do that. We would do that with a human life, but we are doing natural life, but now we're doing it with someone's eternal life. It's even worse than that, Greg. It's like somebody trying to treat their tumor with Drano. So now they're, why would you tell him, why would you tell him from his perspective uh-huh. that's going to heal him? But it's actually going to kill him. Yeah, <laughs> so why, right. from his perspective, why would you, t- you know, it's going to heal him. So why are you telling him to stop? So I think you, you've hit the nail on the head, Greg. The problem right here is an idea of religion that it's not, it has nothing to do with reality. Mm-hmm. It's just about preferences. It's totally subjective. So I think what I would ask to somebody who said this to me, you know, stop, stop saying that listening to or attempting to speak to their ancestors is demonic. I think I would just ask, what if it is demonic? Right. What if mm-hmm. it is? Let's just, you know, just hypothetically, if, if it's demonic, what should I do? Should I just not say anything? Is that the better That's great. option? Or should I say something? And at least then you're starting, they might be a little confused by the question because if they have such a strong view of religion as being a matter of preference and not a matter of reality, they may struggle to even make sense of your question. Right, right. So you might have to work at it a little bit, but if you can get them to understand that that is the real question, what if it is demonic, then you can say, okay, so now the question is, is is it demonic or isn't it? Let's let's just think about what is true here, mm-hmm. and that should determine how we act, whether or not we warn or we don't warn. Of course, the the relativistic comeback is, well, it may be demonic to us, that is, from our point of view, from our ice cream preference. So they continue to relativize it, but it's not true for them. And that's when it, clarification is necessary. The question I'm asking here is whether it's actually true. Not whether it's true for me, but whether it's true. Is in reality, in the real world, are there demons? And uh, is this an activity that is complicit with the demonic? That's the real question. And by the way, that's the kind of issue or the way of putting it that a lot of people aren't even going to begin to understand because they never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. They think it's, it's I re, I'm thinking of John Noyes when he was doing an interview at UC Irvine and there were some Muslim people and they asked, um, he asked, essentially, do you think Islam is true? And they all said yes. And they said, so therefore, um, somebody else's view contrary to Islam would be false, which that follows. And they, and they were unwilling to say that. And, and there was another Christian guy who said, yeah, my view is true. And he said, okay, then other views are false. And they said, well, 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 you know, and so notice the the discomfort, the comfort of saying, using the word truth to describe one's own view, but the discomfort with playing that out in a, in its natural entailments, that if you believe something is actually so, and someone else disagrees with you, then they must be mistaken. Or your conviction is that they're mistaken. If your view is right and theirs is contrary to it, how could it not be mistaken? But that, of course, is dealing with religious claims as if they are claims about the nature of mm-hmm. reality. 
And that's the way they ought to be taken. And that's what you have to get down to. And it might take a while to get there. Right. Another way you could ask is maybe say, if you were stirring up things in the demonic world without realizing it, and you thought you were doing something good, but what you were doing was actually demonic, would you want someone to warn you? Mm-hmm. I wonder how they would answer that. I don't, mm. I don't know, because again, they might they might fall back into the whole idea of of um, relativism, but I don't know. It's just you need to find a way to help them to understand the claim we're making because mm-hmm. it's so hard for people to understand that we're making mm. a claim about reality. Right. Okay, um, let's go on to the next question from Megan. How would you answer a Sikh questioning why I wouldn't marry a non-Christian if all gods are the same? I tried explaining Jesus and the one true God, but he continued to believe in respecting that every God is the same God. Well, I'm a little slow to respond, partly because it sounds like you you have a person um, who is is not um, is not. De- I guess what I want to say is not dealing with reality. So we keep coming back to the same word. If every God is the same God then that means everything that people believe about them should be the same, too. If it's all the same God, then that God looks the same in all these different religious iterations. So, uh, Greg Kokel being the president of Stand a Reason, I am the same Greg Kokel no matter what circumstance that I'm in, or who I'm, who I'm talking with or carrying on with or visiting with or whatever. I'm still me because I am a certain thing, a particular individual with particular characteristics. But if it turns out that they are describing the the president of Stand a Reason as a female, for example, rather than a male, in the conventional sense of those words, um, it's clear we're talking about two different individuals. They can't both be right. And um, that's the problem with these religions who uh, want to treat all gods as the same. Well, the God that I believe in became a human being in the person of Jesus Christ and condemned other religious views. So, is that your God too? Is that your understanding of who God is? No, not at all. Well, then you have a different understanding of God. It can't possibly be the same God we're talking about because our characterizations of them are radically different. And they're not just inconsequential differences. They're big differences. So, uh, but this is why it makes me frustrated a little bit because I would think that a thoughtful human being could be aware of that and would see that, that that's a difficulty of their view. I actually don't remember much about Sikh theology. I, I at one particular point, I think I did a TV um, interaction with uh, a Sikh on Lee Strobel's show many years ago, 15 years ago, but I, I can't remember all that took place there. I just know that I engaged the Sikh. But they have a prophet in there, a major prophet in their religious views, and he's the one who establishes what their religious views are. So it just turns out, though, if Sikhism is a different religion— than Christianity, it's because they have a different understanding of God and what God wants. How, how could it be? If, if Christianity and Sikhism are pursuing the same God, then why are they a different religion? Because they have entirely different understandings of who God is and what God wants from us. I think one thing that might be helpful to ask yeah. is, 
what do you mean when you say every God is the same God? Because mm. I think you need more information about this. And I don't have, I don't really know anything about what Sikhs believe. So I would need to know, what are you saying? Are you saying that all of these ideas we have about them are just illusions, that, that just they're man-made ideas, but there's a reality behind that and and that reality doesn't really care what we think about him? Um, are you saying, I mean, I just I just wouldn't even know what he was saying sure. by that. Yeah, it's great. And I th- what do you mean by that? Yeah. Right out of the gate. And I think um, maybe don't have your goal to convince him, but just say, you know, this is really interesting because we have such radically different understandings of reality and spiritual reality and God. So why don't we just make sure we understand what the other person is saying and just focus on clarifying your views so at least he understands your claim. Uh, so it's like you said, he continued to believe in respecting that every God is the same God. That's OK. You might not convince him, but just make your goal. I want him to understand how I understand mm, who God good. is. That's clarity, not agreement. Right. Clarity, not agreement. Or even persuasion. I mean, it's 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 just you're you're putting the truth out there. It's going to take a while People rarely become Christians when they hear a radically new idea right. the first time. That seems implausible <laughs> to them especially, right? Yeah. So just start laying some groundwork so he understands what you're saying. And, you know, you can say, look, you don't have to agree with me, but I just want to explain to you why I don't date yeah. non-Christians. And just if you can understand my perspective about how what I think reality, spiritual reality is, I think that will make sense. Even if you disagree with me, you think I'm wrong and I should date people who aren't Christians, at least you'll see that I'm not just, this isn't just a matter of of bias or hatred of other or people. bigotry or something. No, like th- there's, there's actually a reasonable explanation that fits within my worldview. So let me try and explain that to you. So I, th- this raises another thought here that I'm not sure I, I wish I would have thought of it earlier, but um, this conversation is a good example of why you should marry somebody with radically different beliefs, okay? So um, the, a question for the Sikh at this point is, so your view is radically different from mine. Would you say that's true? Okay. Do you think we would make good marriage partners then? I suspect not. So why is it, why, why would you consider it's wise for two people who have radically different views on the most important things to be married for, to each other? Kind of another way of saying, you know, you actually probably agree with me when you think about the wisdom of this issue. Regardless of who's right on the theological element, many gods different views of gods or all the same God, regardless of that. The real question is about marriage and marital relationships. When it comes to marriage, I'm just saying, you want similarity, especially on the things that really matter. When it comes to religious views, there you go. Those are among the most important things if you want a stable marriage. doesn't mean you can't have a fulfilling marriage, but, you know, if you marry somebody with very different religious views. But uh, the illustration there in Second Corinthians about not being unequally yoked is the illustration of two, two oxen that are pulling a load or that are plowing, and they're trying to go in different directions. They're not going in the same way, same direction. They're unequally yoked together, and that creates problems. And uh, marriage is difficult enough two fallen individuals throwing in their lot together, you don't want to make it more difficult than it has to be. 
then it has to be by making bad choices like this one. Okay, let's go on to another question. Um, This one comes from Donald. What would be a tactical way of responding to someone who says, God is not out slash up there, he slash it is in here pointing to himself? Well, of course, I'd want clarification at first. What do you mean? So if you didn't exist, would God disappear? If God is in all human beings and he's not out there in any sense, then before there was any human beings, was there a God? These are fair questions to ask, because this seems—now, they're probably making a separate kind of point, not that God is—God's de- ex- existence is dependent on our existence, but rather that um, <clears throat> that God isn't far off, that we have to come to him and discover him and receive him and be reunited with him, but we all have kind of a spark of the divine in us, and so we are one with God in a certain sense. So that's new thought kind of idea, um, the spark of the divine that's in all of us. But I need to get clarification all right? And that's a very popular view now with a lot of people, and it's been around for a long time. This is—it uh, has kinship with ancient Gnosticism in the second century. So um, you're going to run into this, but this is the where the first two Columba questions are just golden. Well, what do you mean by that? And try to get a clarification. So why would you think that's the case? Why would you think that? What are the reasons why you think that what we're searching for and many people are searching, a large portion of the population is trying to figure things out, that what's the truth of the matter, they already have what they're searching for inside of them. That seems to go against the common sense, too. So why would they think that everybody's got this spark of the divine, or however they characterize it, God within them? I wonder also if he's he's saying something about... um... Like if you're looking inside of yourself for guidance and you're looking to your your ideas and your feelings and what you love, I'm trying to think if there's a good example of why that's a bad idea. <laughs> well, th- this is the like way a- people who are not um, guided by externals are all guided by internals. Mm-hmm. And this is what... Uh, this this is the consequence, I should say the consequence of that view, oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes is following your emotions, your passions, your desires to do what you want. And, and a lot of times, those are sinful things. And people end up justifying sinful behavior by, by saying, I'm being true to myself. You know, I did it my way. I'm, I'm you be you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to be me, and uh, that's cool. So I, there you go. Until... <laughs> Until until you have Jeffrey Dahmer who's doing his own thing, you know. I don't know if people remember him. He's a murderer and a cannibal, I think. But you've got people like that. So th- that's the outworking of this concept, you know. I'm trying to think of a, a quick way to make a point with this person, and I can't come up with anything clever. But one thing th- – what strikes me when I hear this is the idea of don't you know that – you do bad things. Like, don't we right. all know that we need someone outside of ourselves to rescue us from our own mm-hmm. sin and our weakness and our, our failures? Do I want to be my own God? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, it, it strikes me as someone who has very little self-awareness. And maybe the younger you are, the easier it is to say things yeah. like, God's inside of me. But I think maybe where I would take this is just 
you know, I just think I'm I'm aware of of my need to be saved. I'm aware of my mm-hmm. own sin. And if God is in me, that means God it's is sinful. In your sin, <laughs> yes. Right? And I don't I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just really grateful to know that there is a God who's outside of me who's actually perfect and who sent his son to die for me so that I could be forgiven and be with him and ultimately be completely redeemed Mm -hmm. because I need someone outside of me. I can't pull myself up by my own bootstraps, my own moral bootstraps. This is, I think this is uh, an example of trying to have your cake and eat it too. You acknowledge a spirituality, but then you adopt a spirituality that, that uh, acknowledges that the human being is a spiritual creature. Good. But then makes no demands on them. Uh, God's in me. That's the way. He's not out there. Somebody I've got to please or obey. He's already in me, and that makes me good just the way I am. If that's true about everybody, maybe that's a question. Is that true about everybody? Yes. Well, then all of these—it's easy to think of individuals in the world today probably reflecting on your friend's political convictions that they would think are really bad, people who are contrary to that person's political convictions. Yet those people are going to have to be considered good based on this criteria that God is in everybody. And so none of these people doing all these things that you object to are doing bad things at all. God's in them. So help me understand how this works. Then. It seems so. I think this is why I'm having a hard time coming up with something clever is it just seems so obviously False. insufficient to explain what's going on with the world. Yeah. And you just have to look around to see the evil, and you have to look in your own heart to see the evil. And I just, it, it just kind of blows my mind. So I, I, I don't have a quick thing to say, but maybe those are some ideas to help sure. you figure out a direction you can go in, Donald. All right, we're out of time. Thank you, Matthew, Megan, and Donald. We appreciate mm-hmm. hearing from you. Send us your question on X with the hashtag STRask or go to our website at str.org. We look forward to hearing from you. This is Amy Hall and Greg Kokel for Stand to Reason. 